Broadcasting live from Martha Public Radio Studios, a recent visitor to our house in Fort Davis was Ann Rapp, the Austin filmmaker who is producing a documentary about Horton Foote, the Texas Pulitzer Prize winning playwright and screenwriter who died in 2009. Foote was a native of my grandmother's hometown of Horton, Texas, a sleepy cotton planting town on the Colorado River near Houston, founded by Stephen Austin's colonists. And most of his plays and films are about people from Horton. Horton is a town held together by stories about its past, stories that loop together and intertwine to create a fabric. And Rapp and I had a fine time trading those stories, she telling ones that she had heard from Foot, and I ones that I had heard from my grandmother and her brothers and sisters, who all grew cotton in Horton during my childhood. The quintessential Horton story is the one about the cottonwoods on the town square. In the 1920s, the courthouse in the center of town was surrounded by cottonwood trees. There was a growing sentiment to replace them with pecan trees. Cottonwoods were messy, people said, and their pollen was unsightly and made people sneeze. Pecans were a local cash crop, and the trees provided more shade than cottonwoods. The pro-pecan faction was in the ascendancy when someone discovered that the cottonwoods had been planted in the 1880s as a memorial to the Confederate dead. Lines hardened. The United Daughters of the Confederacy were unanimously pro-cottonwood. The matter was settled when the town woke up one morning to discover that every cottonwood had been cut down in the night. Foot never told Rap who did it. He pled ignorance. My grandmother said that everyone knew that the county commissioners had hired Forrest Damon to bring in a gang of his men into town at night and do it. Damon had such a bad reputation that everyone in town was afraid of him, and no one was going to confront him about it. There was a whole cycle of Forrest Damon stories. He was a bachelor and lived with his African-American cowboys on a piece of land he had inherited up the river from Horton near a place called Glen Flora. In the 1920s, the state legislature passed a law requiring all cattle to be dipped to immunize them from fever ticks. Forrest Neiman refused to dip his small herd, and they infected cattle that had already been dipped, 
as he did not keep his fences up, and his cows wandered everywhere. He was arrested and taken to jail three times, but someone always made his bail and paid his fine. Finally, the sheriff got Texas Ranger Light Townsend to babysit Damon at his house while five deputized cowboys rounded up and dipped his cattle. Mention of the town of Glenflora always brought up the Jackson brothers, two bachelors who had a plantation there. They invited a newcomer to Horton, an Englishman named Marsh, who managed the lumber yard, to dinner at their house one evening. He closed the lumber yard early, saddled his horse, and rode the six miles out to Glenflora. When he got there, he realized that only one of the brothers was there and that he was visibly drunk, slurring his words. The cook called them to dinner, and they went into the dining room. Marsh later said he had never seen so much food on a table. There were six kinds of vegetables, rice, sweet potatoes, and three platters heaped with pieces of fried chicken. Jackson piled food on Marsh's plate, including six pieces of chicken, but gave himself nothing. When Marsh said, may I serve you, sir? Jackson said, I don't want to eat. I want to watch you eat. Start now. He pulled a pistol he was wearing from its holster and laid it on the table. Marsh started eating. And when he had finished the vegetables, rice, sweet potatoes, and the six pieces of chicken on his plate, he rose and started to thank Jackson for the dinner and to excuse himself, saying that it was late and he needed to get back to town. Jackson picked up the pistol, pointed it at Marsh, and said, Sit down. You ain't going no place until you eat every piece of chicken on those platters. Marsh saw that he meant business and was on his tenth piece when the cook realized what was going on and called Jackson to come into the kitchen on some pretext. As soon as Jackson left the dining room, Marsh was out of the front door of the house, on his horse, and on the road back to Horton. He said he could never eat chicken again in any form. Another story about hard-drinking brothers who kept an unruly house involves Tyre and Tolliver Taylor, who lived on a plantation called Dontal, down Caney Creek from Horton. Tolliver was a bachelor, and Tyre was a widow with two unmarried daughters, Asia and India, who kept house for the brothers, but who had far rather fish and hunt than wheeled brooms. My grandmother's little sister, Bessie, and her husband, Joel Hudgens, used to go to Dontal for Sunday dinner 
in the first decade of the 20th century, when it was still an active sugar plantation, one of the last in Wharton County. She described the house by saying, the kitchen was always full of chickens and ducks and the dining room full of dogs because both Tyre and Tolliver fed their dogs under the table. She remembered one Sunday when they had all taken their seats at the table and a big brindle Catahoula hound jumped up on it and began worrying at a ham on a platter in his center. Tyre looked at India and said, Daughter, get that hound off the table. India looked back at her father and said, That's Asia's dog. I wouldn't touch that dog. Tyre picked up a walking stick beside his chair and struck the dog over the shoulders with it. The dog yelped, took the ham in its jaws, jumped down from the table, and disappeared through an open door to the porch. The meal continued without the ham. And then there was the story about Mr. James Boone Fogerson and the two cattle cars of registered Brema cows that he was taking to the Fort Worth stockyards when they turned into pigs at a water stop in Waxahachie. You've been listening to Lon Taylor, the rambling boy. I'll be back next Friday at 11 with another story about Texas and maybe even explain about Mr. James Boone Fogerson and the cows that turned into pigs. In the meantime, remember that you can read The Rambling Boy in the Big Ben Sentinel every Thursday. This program is made possible by a generous grant from the Summerlee Foundation's program in Texas history. <laughs>